You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Eric Bain, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at The Athletic Wisconsin. And joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of BrewHoop.com, Frank Madden. And bringing you today's podcast is Indochino. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. That is Locked On at checkout. Frank, we uh, have not been together since scrimmage in preseason. Uh, I did a episode by myself after Bucks Bulls the other night. Uh, so you haven't had a chance to react to live basketball quite yet, uh, but that's okay. We will we will get to that here uh, in just a moment. But for now, how are you doing? I'm good. My my wife is uh, traveling through Europe right now, uh, Norway specifically. So I am. Single parenting uh, happened since Saturday, although my mom uh, just flew in from Milwaukee to, uh, you know, restore some order to my household. So, uh, yeah, a lot of quality time with my 20-month-old. Um, she, uh, I, I didn't even realize my wife had, had knitted a, like, child-sized, like, basketball uh, hat. Like, it's basically like a knit hat that is shaped like a like half a basketball, it's orange with uh, you know, mm-hmm. the seams and stuff. Uh, and then she just like appeared, my daughter just appeared wearing, literally this was the day <laughs> Monday, uh, on Monday, I, I took a day off from work because I didn't have daycare for her. Uh, she just appears with this basketball knit hat on her head. Uh, and I was like, well, there it is. Preseason starts today. My daughter has thrown on her knit basketball hat that I wasn't even aware of her having. And, uh, yeah, we're ready to rock and roll. So, uh, so yeah, so I'm, uh, you know, having to probably dad more than I'm usual than I'm used to, but that's only fair, you know, parenting. It's a thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, been fun actually seeing some basketball. I, you know, I, of course, I'd, I'd rather spend this entire uh, podcast talking about Sunday scrimmage, obviously, but I suppose we can talk about <laughs> games that, Counts slightly more than uh, a scrimmage, but uh, but yeah, lots lots happening. Two two game two preseason games and a scrimmage since we last spoke. Um, so finally, some you know I'm not going to say very meaningful data points on the 1920 Milwaukee Bucks, but good to see people on the court doing stuff. And um, you know, with the exception of Eric Bledsoe, maybe hopefully suffering just a minor oblique injury tonight. Uh, you know, same old, same old from the Bucks. Two games, two wins, looking like kind of the the Bucks we're used to seeing. And obviously, you know, preseason is in a good way, probably not that interesting this year. Uh, so it's more about just kind of seeing how new guys fit in and just making sure that you know the machinery is still running as as it was last year. 
Bucks win tonight, 133-99. And I guess uh, start. I'll just start with Bledsoe. After the game, talked to Bud, who said that, you know, they didn't think it was that serious and that he talked to Bledsoe, who didn't think it was that serious. And uh, it was kind of strange that he was – that Bud was so willing to talk about it. Uh, Giannis was willing to talk about it after the game and said that he thought Bledsoe would be fine – Middleton ended up saying the same thing as he was walking out. So um, we didn't get to talk to Eric Bledsoe. He was gone by the time that we got in the locker room after the game. But I, it was still noteworthy to me that it was just like people were actually willing to talk about it. Like if you think an injury is somewhat serious, you're not. You're just going to say, oh, yeah, we'll see what happens when the medical team says whatever. Um, but I was a little bit surprised that they were just like, yeah, we don't think it's going to be that serious. So I think that is probably – likely good news. We don't know for sure, but uh, we have to at least assume that that'll be the case. So I guess where where does your brain go with this Bucks team? I mean, one, 133 points. Uh, again, like this isn't the, the Jazz's A team uh, with Ingles out and Gobert out and just not being totally there. But uh, I mean, there's there's still some players on that team. Like there, there's still some guys and I just feel like every time in the preseason, the basketball starts to get ugly in the third quarter. And this is the second straight game. We saw it on Monday as well, where most teams eight to 15, pretty ugly bucks, eight to 15, not so ugly. Uh, They're actually like capable basketball players. They're people that can, put up points and you, you just see the bucks pull away in those spots. And I, I mean, I don't think going into this year, like it's surprising that there's a lot of depth, but all those, all the thoughts that we had about their depth have certainly been confirmed. And uh, tonight you got to see Giannis and Chris and Bledsoe uh, real, I mean, find a flow and, and just kind of get going again. Like, does, does this just feel like, all right, Bucks are gonna bucks all over again for an entire year. Like it felt like that's what we got to at the end of the last year. Um, you know, the final couple months where it's just like, oh, you know, the bucks are really good. Are, are we already there? Well, it was kind of fitting. I think that you know the first quarter was kind of all about Giannis reminding us that he's Giannis and he's just gonna do Giannis things whenever Giannis wants. Um, you know, just. <laughs> first, his, I think it was his first uh, drive of the game, just sort of basically um, kind of ragdolling Mike Conley, I think it was, and just kind of shrugging him off and just going around and dunking uh, with with quite a bit of authority. And again, kind of reiterating, you know, the whole Giannis doesn't make difference. You know, Giannis doesn't understand difference between regular season, preseason, et cetera, right? He's just going out there trying to murder rims regardless um, and he had just a bunch of plays tonight where he just, you know, attacked the rim and was just kind of making everybody else look like, you know, children, basically, uh, you know, with uh, trying to keep up with, with the big kid. Um, single coverage not working so well for, for the Utah Jazz tonight. They, we certainly did not see the Toronto Raptors <laughs> defense against Giannis tonight, and uh, he couldn't buy a jump shot. But, you know, so that way I guess it was kind of same old Giannis from last year. Couldn't buy a jump shot, had some struggles from the foul line. Um, but when he decided he was going to the rim, it was just lights out. Um, so that, I think that kind of set the tone, right. From an energy perspective. And then, um, 
you know, I think the encouraging thing, we can obviously talk about specific guys a bit, but uh, I think when you look at, you know, new guys, young guys that are kind of plugging in, uh, you know, I, 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 the phrase that, that kept coming back to me on Monday after the Bulls win was, you know, that was sort of like an infrastructure win. Um, and that, that idea, whether you want to call it culture or infrastructure, I always think of the Spurs, right? You know, the Spurs who, you know, in the last decade, we've seen them how many times rest, you know, their best players and they just, you know, their reserves will just go out and win by 20 points on a random game, you know, in a random game against a respectable team. And it's just, I think, a testament to kind of the culture and the system that, you know, Pop has had over the many years he's been there. And, and obviously, Mike Budenholzer being a disciple of Pop, you know, I think has, uh, I mean, sure, everybody obviously wants to replicate a lot of sort of things culturally that the Spurs have accomplished. Uh, and I think, you know, certainly the Bucks, uh don't play like like any version of the recent Spurs. Um, I think certainly that for that in a good way. Um, but I think you sort of see them now, you know, just all these guys when they come in, it just seems like everybody sort of plays in the way that, you know, Bud kind of wants them to play. You know, guys shoot threes, they make quick decisions, they make the simple pass, they cut, they move. Um, and, you know, it's a preseason, so I'm not going to act like, oh, you know, the defense is uh, ratcheted up to 10 or something like that. It's not, right? Um, but, uh, you know, on any given night, are the Bucks going to play a little harder, a little smarter defensively than the other team, have be a little better organized? Yeah, generally, yeah. And you know, even the preseason, when you have random guys out there, it just seems like the Bucks are just a little better organized and just kind of know what they're supposed to be doing more than you know a team like the Chicago Bulls or obviously tonight you know a better team in in Utah. But uh, yeah, it's just you know fun to watch them, um, regardless of who's out there. It just seems like guys kind of know what they're supposed to do. And I think um, you know we we've talked a lot about how in the NBA, you know, spacing is often sort of treated synonymously with just like the idea of having a lot of guys who can shoot. Um, but I think, you know, and, and the Bucks, you know, front office folks, but has talked about, you know, guys who can dribble pass, um, you know, dribble pass, shoot, defend, right. Like, you mean there's, you know, or just pass, shoot and defend even. Um, and how that's like, you know, obviously you value more of those guys you can, you can have better. And uh, obviously, you know, at the end of your bench, you're not going to have generally guys who can do all those things. But I think, again, you have guys, I think, playing in a way that um, reflects what the Bucks are about, right? I mean, um, it's just like you just don't have, like, random guys who's like, oh, yeah, that guy's just going for his own shot or that guy just – he doesn't want to pass, right? Like, it just seems like everybody wants to play the way that, that this team is kind of constructed to play. And I think, you know, even with these random guys, you know, random camp body types um, – guys kind of fit in and obviously, you know, we've talked about it. I think it's not like the most complicated system in the world, right? We saw them pick up on it very quickly last year offensively. And, uh, you know, certainly no, no signs here early on that, that guys aren't figuring it out pretty quickly uh, this time around either. Yeah. I thought it was kind of funny after the game tonight, I asked um, the last two games we've just seen like pick and roll chemistry from Frank Mason and Dragon Bender. Like, I okay sure like that why not that that sounds like a thing that that could just happen and like that's not to say that Frank Mason is bad or uh, that Dragon Bender is bad but it, it just kind of seemed to happen and you know like I asked Bud about it after after the game tonight and he was just like yeah 
you know, it's really it's really good when you can see guys, you know, just just come in and kind of pick up the system. And it, uh, he honestly said almost exactly what you said. He was like, and but in reality, it's not that complicated what they're doing. They're just, you know, running pick and roll basketball. Like, uh, like Dragon got one on on a roll, and then you know the next play he gets a, a pick and pop, and you know they just go back and forth and read each other, and it's all pretty simple. And I mean that that's what you just laid out that this system offensively is is pretty simple to pick up. It's it's something that I, most players, if you can do a little bit of any of those things that you mentioned offensively, you can probably find a spot. And I mean, I think the play that probably personified it was you know Thanasis at Dedekumbo, Euro stepping and then kicking out to the corner to not Brooke Lopez, Robin Lopez for a three. And it was just like, uh, okay. I don't know if one, I, I don't know that I ever trust, uh, Thanasis with the ball in his hands, dribbling it like that is, is just not something that I, I think you really want to put a lot of faith in, uh, because that's not something that he's really shown, but there he is dribbling through the lane, Euro stepping and, making an on-target pass to Robin Lopez, who obviously we've been talking about is obviously going to shoot threes this year. But, you know, from the outside, there's probably some question whether or not he would. And it was just like, all right, there's Bud's system. There it is. Like, that that shows it. And, I mean, we've talked about how, you know, this team might not be as good. They might not have as much top-end talent with, with Malcolm Brogdon. You know, maybe the roster is a little bit worse. And, you know, I think – you know, thinking about these last two games is in some ways to me just a reminder that, oh, yeah, in the regular season, you don't necessarily need that top-end talent every night. Like, you just you just need good depth, and when guys get hurt, you need to be able to fill in for them with capable players. And they don't have to be perfect. They just have to, you know, be able to fill for – a couple weeks, um, you know, maybe a, a couple nights, uh, whatever it may be. Like, they just need to be able to fill in capably. And I think the system makes it easy. I think the talent that the Bucks have makes it easy that you can kind of fit in. And, I mean, tonight was a bit of a scare thinking about Eric Bledsoe possibly being out with an oblique injury. Like, those can keep you out four to six weeks, maybe even more than six weeks. Like that could have been a pretty serious injury. Point guard's the one spot where maybe you don't feel quite as confident. And then, you know, I started to think through it. It was just like, is it ideal that George Hill would, you know, have to play a whole lot more than 25 minutes a night? No, it wouldn't be. And it wouldn't be ideal that Frank Mason would then be your backup point guard. And you probably wouldn't have a third point guard on the roster uh, with Bledsoe out. No, it isn't. But then I started thinking like, okay, maybe you can move Dante over. He could play a little point guard with the second unit. Um, you know, you can move some things around. That maybe that gives more minutes to Pat Connaughton, and you could figure it out, right? And like just that kind of idea that the position where you feel like the Bucks have the absolute least amount of depth, you you could still hypothetically find a way where it's like, yeah, you know what? They, they'd probably be fine. They'd probably find a way through it. And uh, that makes me start to think like, okay, you know, that over under number is 58. And in the, the column I did at the athletic, I, I took the under because 
of all the kind of reasons that we've laid out and, you know, maybe Giannis taking more time off or Middleton taking some time off for Lopez for, uh, because the, the, like they played over the summer, or maybe there's an injury, more injuries than there were last year. Like just thinking through all those things, and then in my head, it's like, you know what? This team just might be built for regular season dominance. And again, we can have the conversation about postseason and and how all of that will go. But it's like, you know what? Maybe this team is just made to win sixty games again. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it just depends on how much do they want to win sixty games, right? How much do they kind of manage loads, and then. Uh, Injury wise, right? Like, you know, if you miss Chris Middleton for six weeks, or obviously Giannis goes without saying you miss him for an extended period, that's a, that's a huge blow. Um, but, you know, again, a lot of it's just how deep does Bud want to go with his bench? How much does he rotate guys? Um, you know, I mean, the first couple preseason games feels like there have been a lot of like novelty lineups. I mean, rolling out Brooke and Robin together uh, against the Bulls um, felt like. Bud kind of just being cute, uh, even though it actually seemed to work pretty well. Uh, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, and, and tonight, Thanasis and, and Giannis playing together a fair bit, which really doesn't make much sense at all to me, given, you know, the one thing you want with Giannis is spacing. And, like, the one guy in that kind of rotation who doesn't space at all is Thanasis probably, as far as, you know, like the kind of forward forward types. Um so I don't know. I mean, it definitely feels like there's a lot of, you know, but, but not surprising is going to experiment a lot in, in the preseason. Everybody's going to play. Um, I think, you know, obviously the preseason means different things to different guys, right? And you've got the kind of guys who, you know, absolutely what their role is going to be, um, which maybe is just, I mean, in a lot of ways, you might just, you might argue the only guys who you like are absolutely sure of the roles are, four of the five starters. So basically not the starting shooting guard, which we assume is Wes Matthews, but I think we agree. I mean, that, that could certainly change right over the course of the season, depending on kind of what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and then George Hill, right? So basically maybe a f- five guys plus you probably throw a Rolo in there. Like I just assume he's going to be the default backup center all year. And I don't think I'd be surprised if they diverge a lot from yeah. that. So maybe they're like six guys who you kind of know, like you kind of, can really like pencil them in, you know exactly how much they're going to play. And then everybody else, I mean, there's, you know, they're obviously we've talked a lot about the wing rotation. I mean, any of those wing guys could start for extended periods or fall out of the rotation entirely, potentially. Um, I mean, I think Matthews, I mean, we agree Matthews will start. I'd be surprised if he fell out of the rotation. Um, but is West, is West Matthews the best, you know, shooting guard on this team? Uh, I mean, Sterling Brown looked great against the Bulls. Sterling Brown could be that guy by the end of the year. Pat Connaughton could be that guy. Um, I don't think Corver's going to be that guy, but I think Corver's going to play a lot. Um, so uh, there's just all these sort of, you know, things. Dante that, has looked great. Dante has looked physically really good. Um, you know, he had the uh, Monday, his shot, he couldn't hit anything. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think the most important thing with Dante is just, I mean, we were obviously concerned, like, you know, just we haven't seen the guy running and jumping and doing basketball things since March, essentially. So what is the deal with that? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to kind of write up the list of positives here from the first week of seeing the Bucks, you know, actually run around and play basketball, I'd say just Dante looking physically the same as, as previously. Right. I, I haven't certainly 
detected any any limitations as far as uh, as what he's able to do physically. And you know, I think that's just a great sign. And tonight hit some shots. You know, hit a couple threes. Monday obviously didn't look back, looked good, really good in the scrimmage on Sunday. Um, so I, I'm sure with him, we'll we'll kind of see ups and downs. Obviously, given he's not a very experienced guy, and obviously that jump shot, you know, kind of has come and mostly gone so far. But you know, I think the the, the foundation is there to be a much better three-point shooter than we saw last season, and he's going to need to be that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think just in general, like a lot of, um, you know, this is like interesting things to watch, right? I mean, again, like the Bucks, as you said, I mean, I think fundamentally in the grand scheme of the NBA, they're probably not an interesting team to watch in the preseason in the sense of <laughs> we know what they are and there's not like crazy battles for positions and things like that. I mean, Again, like there's rotation spots that are definitely going to be up for grabs, things like that. But, you know, it's not like you've got the lottery pick who might start or, you know, going against a veteran. You don't have any of that kind of drama. Um, but that's that's not a bad thing. So, I mean, we're kind of left to uh, kind of, you know, just enjoy watching kind of the things that are familiar to us, right? Like Giannis dunking everything. And then uh, obviously kind of some of the other more – kind of fringe fringe things to watch right like it's been interesting watching um you know uh, obviously uh, you know Thanasis um I, I've just been very happy for Thanasis the fact that he's you know blended in and been able to contribute and again not in a way that I think translates to oh he's going to be a rotation guy in the regular season not in that way but you know just given the background of of everything about him joining and you know, is he an NBA player? All that stuff. Um, I've just been really happy for him and, and Giannis by extension and, that, and, the, and the identical family that, you know, he's fit in really well, brought energy, been productive. And again, if this is the most we see if the NASA's all year, that might not be a bad thing, but um, it's been nice to see him do that. And then, um, you know, Dragon Bender's had some nice moments. Um, you know, again, I'd say my, you know, I think I said what, like there was a 30 to 40% chance that he finishes the year in Milwaukee. I think maybe that's, edged up slightly. Um, and, uh, and, you know, otherwise, you know, just some of the like Frank Mason, you mentioned, um, you know, didn't have like a big night tonight, but started on, on Monday, um, had some productive minutes, um, you know, Jalen Adams and Cam Reynolds um, have hit shots, uh, which you can't really ask for much more from them, given what they're trying to do. Uh, my spirit animal, Ray John Tucker uh, continues to make super athletic plays, which I enjoy. Um, so yeah, it's just been all around, like, I think very, very fun to watch. And, um, you know, ha- I haven't mentioned Kyle Korver, but, you know, he gave us a, a, a tantalizing, uh, hopefully a, a sign of things to come with that run of like, what was it? Three, three pointers in a few minutes, a couple of them, pretty much all of them sort of set up by Giannis doing Giannis stuff, which was just uh, really fun. Cause, cause again, obviously when, when, when we first heard that, that Corver might be open to coming with the Bucks, obviously we all had visions of doing exactly kind of the things we saw tonight. So, um, you know, speaking of the infrastructure of a great regular season team, certainly Cal Corver can be an important part of that as well. Yeah, and I mean, we've been talking about how we may not learn all that much about the, like the postseason version of them, but, you know, that was that was something we mentioned when the Bucks signed Corver. We said, "Hey, second quarter, you need five minutes from him, 
and maybe in those five minutes against whatever bench unit, like there's always going to be in the playoffs, even with, you know, much smaller rotations, there's probably going to be about a five minute stretch in the second quarter where there's bench guys out there. Corver can probably survive defensively. You overlap it with Giannis. And then all of a sudden you hit three threes in three minutes and you've totally changed the game. That was what happened tonight. Like that was literally what happened. I think it went from like an eight point game to a 20 point game in a hurry. And when you're thinking through all of this, it's like, okay, you know, if in that Toronto series, they had Kyle Corver for a second uh, or they had him for that series, put him in, in one of those games. And he did that. Maybe the Bucks were in the finals last year. Like that, that is a very real possibility. So again, he doesn't have to be perfect. He doesn't have to play any more than 10 minutes a night. He doesn't even have to play every single night. Uh, just that he's ready to go. And uh, it was kind of funny talking to Giannis after the game about it because the first two passes he threw to Corver were bad. Like one hit him like in the yeah. feet. It was real low. It wasn't on target. Uh, There's another one where he threw it to Corver late and that one got like tipped out of bounds. And then after that, it was when he had the three and uh, I asked Giannis about it after the game. And I was like, well, you know, like that first one was late uh, or the first one was low. The second one was late. Like, what do you think about the, the chemistry you're kind of building? Like how do you have, like such a long ways to go. Like, it feels like you're, you're pretty far away from a chemistry standpoint. And he was like, yeah, you know, actually I realized tonight, he's like, I didn't know this, but when I, when I dribble, he moves. And he's like, and I I didn't, I didn't realize that till tonight. He's like in training camp, we played together some, but he's like, I didn't, I didn't really realize that. And now thinking back on those plays, it's like, Oh, okay. Like that actually makes sense because most of the time when Giannis drives, Bucks players are stationary, right? Like they're they're gonna sit in their spots and they're gonna fill the the other four squares that Giannis uh, is not currently occupying, and he's gonna throw to those spots. And that's not what Kyle Korver does. Like he's such a good shooter that he can't stand still because if he does, he's gonna be covered. So over the years, he's learned like, all right, I gotta I gotta move around the floor if. Uh, someone's dribble driving like I need to move during that time so hopefully that they get lost and I get open and that that to me was just kind of I think it has to be somewhat exciting that even though they don't know each other at all <laughs> they, they have what seems like very little chemistry uh, between them they still managed to get Corver three threes in about three minutes. And the, the no look pass Giannis threw to him in transition. Corver said he had no idea the ball was coming. The ball was just kind of in his hands and he caught and shot it. And it, I think for Bucks fans, that has to be really exciting that those two can make that type of impact despite just not knowing each other. Yeah, it was funny when, when the Bucks acquired Nikola Miritic in February uh, you know, just the idea of adding a guy who was willing to shoot from so far out and didn't really have a conscience about getting up threes, right, was was really intriguing to me, and especially pairing him with Giannis. And obviously it's a little more complicated pairing Miritich and Giannis just because really they play the same position ideally. Um, not that you can't play them in a, in a kind of quote-unquote small front court. Um, but with Korver, it's kind of a similar thing where it's like you just want Giannis to get him the ball and then Korver – I mean, 
you know, I mean, we saw uh, one of those examples tonight where it's just like literally like the ball is barely in his hand and he does almost doesn't even, you know, get his normal like wind up <laughs> to like his normal motion, like it just catches yep. it and puts it up um, and, and buries it with, with so little airspace uh, to, to get it off. Um, I'm, I'm just really excited, you know, cause you know, we've seen Corver for, you know, however many years, um, you know, on his, as an opponent hit shots like that, you know, that, that, uh, classic, what was it like four threes in 90 seconds or whatever it was when he was on the Hawks against the Bucks years ago. Uh, it was kind of fun to be on the other side of that as a Bucks fan. And obviously you hope that you hope that that continues. And again, I understanding that, I mean, he's, you know, he's not going to be a, a 20 minute a game guy for, for 80 games or something this season, but, um, you know, just a guy that gives a little bit different dimension and on a team where everybody, lets it fly. Um, you know, he's, he's one of the best three point shooters in NBA history. So he's letting it fly. And it's not just, you know, he would let it fly on any team, right? <laughs> like he, no matter, you know, Jason Kidd would want, uh, uh Kyle Corver to, to let it fly. Um, so it's, uh, he's going to be a fun guy to watch and you just hope that, you know, we see more of Kyle Corver with Giannis and not Thanasis with Giannis and that we have reasonable combinations because certainly, um, you know, and, and interesting, Giannis had some uh, pretty obvious but uh, interesting comments after the game comparing FIBA basketball to, to being like prison. Uh, and, you know, I think the, the freedom he saw tonight, the room he saw tonight with the spacing and, uh, and everything certainly uh, probably was, was pretty fun for him to be back playing uh, the game as uh, I would argue it's, it's meant to be played, not uh, in a uh, – in a closet, like I uh, probably felt playing with the Greece national team. And obviously, you know, having guys like Cal Corver and, and obviously it's partly rules and things like that. But also there, there definitely was no Cal Corver on, uh, on the Greece national team. There was no Brooke Lopez, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, very, very fun to see Giannis back in his element. And um, it seemed like Giannis was, uh, was enjoying himself too, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, that was, I don't, I mean, that's vintage Giannis, right? Like, he just kind of did whatever he wanted. He went wherever he really – he just dominated. Plus 37 in 21 minutes. And, again, plus minus isn't everything, but that was indicative of what he did. That was indicative of what was happening on the floor when he was around 22 points, 11 rebounds, 4 assists, steal, block in in those 21 minutes. And, yeah, I mean – he, you said he felt rusty. Uh, I opened up Bud's pet press conference by asking if, you know, you ever think like telling Giannis to chill out because I mean, he is, how many times did he dive on the floor tonight? Three, four? There, he's flying out of bounds to try to save a basketball. And it's like, dude, you got to chill, man. Like, you don't need to go that hard. Like, <laughs> and Bud said, like, you know, it, I don't think about telling him to chill out because, Giannis only plays one way. He plays hard, and that sets the tone for this team and this organization. So I'm never going to tell him to do that. But, you know, the thing that goes through your head is instead, like, maybe I just don't play him. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I told Giannis that, and he was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like, uh, you know, that's uh, th- that'd be a good thing if he, if he would uh, uh, not end up playing me as much in the preseason. So I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, he, he said he, even his teammates were like, Dude, you got to relax a little bit. Like it's your first game, it's preseason. You might be a little rusty, uh, but he, he just can't play any other way. And I think it was a, a nice reminder of just how good 
Giannis can look and just how good Giannis is. And, uh, yeah, it was funny when he, he said the thing about uh, FIBA and, you know, how it, what it's like, how it was like playing in a, a you know, like being a prisoner and now you like had broken free of the cage and, and all that, like we, some of the us media members were like talking about it afterwards. And uh, we, Matt Velasquez ended up following up on him on that comment being like, what do you mean? It was like being a prisoner. Uh, And yeah, it's like cleared up. And he's like, you know, like the rules, the way basketball is played, the spacing, it felt like I was going one on five and, you know, in the NBA, it's totally different. I prefer NBA basketball. Uh, and, you know, we were talking about, oh, you know, maybe it was nice to give him a chance to clean it up and make sure that the Greek Federation isn't mad at him. But in my head, I was like, eh, I don't know how mad Giannis would have been if the Greek Federation was like, oh, does he not like playing with us? Like, I don't think Giannis would have been that mad because I think it would have been a nice reminder to the Greek Federation, like, hey, maybe play better basketball. Maybe stop playing me as a three with two totally immobile bigs that can't really shoot and don't help out in any way. Like, are you know what I mean? I, I don't know how Maddie would have been if the Greek Federation would have been uh, offended by that comment, but still, like, I, it was it was it was pretty strong to hear. You know, I felt like a a prisoner when I was playing in FIBA. So uh, good to see him kind of in his own element and back out there and playing well um anything else uh, that you're thinking through like the what i i think about in these these couple of games is last year this was mind-blowing right like the offense being so free and shooting so many threes and uh you know it's a it's a story i've told before but i just remember chris herring being in the building for i think the second or third uh, preseason game and just kind of looking around at at us and being like, just wait, they're they're the Eastern Conference Rockets now, like that that's what they are, and all of us being like, yeah, pretty much, and you know by that time we had kind of accepted that they were going to shoot a lot more threes, and now <laughs> this year when when you like this is ho hum, right? They 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 shoot thirty six threes tonight. That's not even a high number for them. Like they look very free offensively. They look like they're able to just integrate Kyle Korver, Wesley Matthews, Robin Lopez, Giannis's older brother, like all of these things and just normal, right? Like I feel like that is, that is saying something about this team and this organization that this is just, yeah, ho-hum, 133 points. Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, it's what we expect now. Right. I mean, the, the, the curse of, of sort of, or the, the tyranny of low expectations is, is I think long gone for this franchise and it's about time. Right. I mean, I think it's uh, very just even compared to a year ago. Right. I think even with the optimism we had a year ago, it's, it's just a totally different set of expectations. And um, I think, you know, that's nothing but, but a positive. So um, yeah, let's get these preseason games out of the way and start playing real basketball. Cause um you know, again, I think uh, as fun as it is to maybe watch some of the fringe guys rotation, you know, fringe rotation competitions kind of play out in in these preseason games. I mean, I enjoy garbage time in these preseason games just to kind of see how, you know, some of these random guys fare, right? Like the uh, the Dragon Benders and the Frank Masons and, you know, Dante, obviously seeing him get minute minutes has been really fun. But, uh, you know, but mostly just though I'm still thinking, all right, let's 
get through this, get, get on with the games and, um, you know, again, get through this, uh, you know, Bledsoe and everybody else, get them through uh, healthy and ready for the regular season. And uh, let's, let's, let's get on with it. All right. We're going to get on with being done with this podcast for the night. That is going to be it for us for today. A reminder, today's episode was brought to you by Indochino. It's the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Locked On, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, at checkout. For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Nate. This has been Locked On Bucks. We will talk to you guys again tomorrow.